what's exciting is that ABM principles and ABM process are being applied to large numbers of, of accounts, accounts that still fit the ideal profile for your company and the executives, that, again, that have interest in the type of solutions you have. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Thursday, and in these episodes, we focus on one of two things. We'll either be sharing one of our favorite and most actionable talks from a Flip My Funnel event, or you'll hear Sangram and someone from the Terminus team discuss how they're getting better in a specific functional area of Terminus's business. And remember, like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. All right, today's guest host is Steve App, a good friend of mine. He's an ABM strategist, Quarry. He's already done a whole series. You might be familiar with him now. He has done a four-part series on ABM for the enterprise where he had people from Oracle and, and many of the companies just share the practical tips and, and techniques that they're using for account-based marketing strategies that goes across, by the way, marketing and sales, so not just marketing. And this time, he's bringing a couple of amazing guests who are, again, not only thought leaders, but also practitioners. So you're going to get a real taste of what it takes to do these big deals with account-based mindset. Here we go. Most B2B marketers have been exploring account-based marketing for a few years now, three and a half years for me. Sometimes I meet someone who's been doing it longer. You know, as far as I'm concerned, five years, pretty impressive. Today's guest goes way beyond that. He's been practicing, teaching, and writing about ABM for nearly 20 years. He helped pioneer the discipline of account-based marketing in the early 2000s. Together with Bev Burgess, he's co-author of the book, The Practitioner's Guide to Account-Based Marketing. He's president and CEO of ITSMA, an organization that provides research, training, advisory services, and events focused on improving the impact of sales and marketing. Today's guest is a true B2B leader in so many ways, and I'm thrilled to welcome Dave Munn. Dave, thanks for joining us. Hey, Steve, it's great to be with you today. Well, we have so much that we can talk about. You know, um, it's challenging with someone like you who has been around the space for so long and has been such a leader in this fast evolving practice. What do I do with you for 30 or 40 minutes? So I gave some thought to a few things and, you know, within the conversation that you and I had yesterday where we, we calibrated a little bit, you know, I think we've got a few key areas that we definitely want to get into. I know we want to talk about the evolution of ABM and how it looks different today from in the past. And I know we want to talk about best practices of some of the very best organizations out there and some of your clients who are doing really over and above ABM work. But I think before we start going down that path, not everyone may know you and not everyone may know ITSMA. So can you just take a moment and tell our listeners a little bit more about what you do? Yeah, no, happy to. And again, I, I lead ITSMA. We're a membership organization focused on working with, with B2B companies, mostly tech and professional services, telecom and, and IT service organizations on advancing marketing practices. So 
you know, as I said before, we provide a range of research, events, uh, peer sharing, advice, uh, and consulting to our members and, and also to, to companies that aren't part of ITSMA. And ABM is one of those topics that we've uh, continued to, to grow, evolve, and expand the work that we do with companies around that. We also cover other topics as well from executive engagement, uh, brand and brand differentiation brand differentiation to thought leadership and content to marketing measurement and, and a whole host of other topics. How big a part of your practice is ABM and how has that evolved in recent years? So ABM is, is now it's more than half our business and, and uh, you know, the number of people that we have working on ABM through research events and training and consulting is, you know, pretty close to that number as well. So it's, and it's uh, the, expansion of, of that work, too, has increased substantially over the last five years. Uh, in the early days of talking about account-based marketing, close to 18 years ago, you know, a lot of companies were uh, suspect of it, didn't quite have the resources, uh, the tools and technologies that we have today and so forth. And with the advent of, of more and more technology resources and, and expertise and knowledge around the topic, it's, it's really been taking off. I think it's just so fascinating that you've been at it that long. And, you know, the number of people who make some comment to me about, you know, ABM being this, this new thing that has just appeared on the scene in the last couple of years. And it's like, I mean, that's not true, right? I mean, it's obviously achieved wide market adoption in the last few years. And there's a whole host of tools and technologies to support it that have emerged in the recent years. But I mean, as a, a strategy and, and, and a practice and, and a way of going about marketing, it's, it's far from new. And, and you and your colleagues were, were at the outset of this. Can you just take us back and give us a little bit of perspective for those of us who who maybe really don't know at all what ABM looked like in the, the true early days? Yeah, no, ha- happy to. It's one of those things where, you know, many aspects of account-based marketing are just good marketing. Um, strong customer segmentation, uh, strong customer insight, um, organizing and targeting specific people uh, with programs, uh, marketing programs and campaigns that are should be of interest or are of interest to them and, and collaborating with different parts of the organization to, to execute on them. So the topic of, you know, marketing, you know, one-to-one marketing, marketing to individuals has been around for a long time. You know, for us, what happened is one of our members came to us and said, you know, we, you cover lots of areas in marketing. Can you help us formally develop a formal structure for marketing to individual accounts. And so it very much started one-to-one where an account who had lots of potential for a company, they were looking for a structured approach, a structured process and steps to help, you know, plan marketing programs that were appropriate for that specific account. And, And through that process, in developing seven steps in the formal structure and process and and how to build and grow a program over time that that led to our developing assets and IP and and a formal business structured around that and then workshops and training and uh, on towards certification and and the book we launched. So it's to a lot of people they're like, oh we we get one to one, but the 
the structure and the formal process of taking steps on, is this an account that has good potential for you and has growth potential in the marketplace? Understanding what that account cares about and, and specific people that care about those issues and then planning marketing programs to those specific individuals, working closely with sales, uh, executing on them and, and tracking the results of, of that program. And again, it can be applied to, to new or existing accounts, but at the time it was more people were saying, how do we get deeper with existing accounts? Because we know there's so much they don't know about us that, could, that we could help them with. And back then, I'm just, I'm just rewinding in my mind here, thinking of all the tools and technologies we take for granted today that were not part of our toolkits back then. I spent a lot of time on LinkedIn. Okay, we weren't doing that uh, 18 years ago, 15 years ago. I guess email was there, but you know, what did ABM look like in those early days? Maybe you could give us an idea of you know, what kind of uh, of campaigns and, and what kind of measurement would, would go into some of those early one-to-one plays back in the day? Yeah. Well, it's, when you talk about tools, it's, it's funny to look back at those times because it was very much spreadsheet driven. Um, people using spreadsheets as their project management tools, insight about clients that were being targeted or customers or executives that were being targeted you know, mostly came from insight from the sales team about what they knew or what they have discussed with with specific contacts. Clearly, there was you know documents and online information about people, but oftentimes that was limited. There was no such thing as social footprints. You know, there weren't near you know near the number of companies that that provided insight on individuals. There wasn't any data on intent or surge data sources. So going back in that time, it was very much face-to-face planning by a a seasoned field marketer that uh, would get together with the sales team and and say, what are you trying to accomplish with the account? And, you know, what's driving the account and how can we work with you to add add and to integrate some marketing-related activities, whether it's through very focused events, um, customized collateral. Um, That day was much more physical anything, but it could be presentations or it could be white papers or research and and other things that would be tailored to a specific account based on what they care about and how you could help them. So that, you know, that work, there's a lot of things that have got become much more efficient in the ABM world, but still that, that pickaxe work of the face-to-face and the online planning that teams put together to structure the right programming campaign for an account or a set of accounts uh, is something that that still is important. You, without that involvement, that collaboration with with sales, you just wouldn't have the success you're seeing. Have have we lost some of that? Are we perhaps too reliant on intent data and behavioral data and digital tools? And I, are, like, are you seeing in any of your clients that some of the the real insight that came out of that deep face-to-face work uh, in the early days, has that been lost to some extent or are, are the good ones still doing everything that would have been done 15 years ago and they've layered all this amazing technology on top of that strong foundation? It's uh, you know, it's a mix of both. I mean, we do it at many of the very complex, larger, even mid-sized and larger companies that we work with 
you know, they have people that are based out in the field responsible for account-based marketing for an account, a couple of accounts, you know, maybe a, a cluster within an industry that are based in the, in the field near where, you know, where those accounts and the, the account leaders sit. Um, so that, you know, that work, you know, that involvement, that the face-to-face time still exists. But what you've seen and what's exciting is that ABM principles and the ABM process are being applied to large numbers of, of accounts, accounts that still fit the ideal profile for your company and the executives, again, that have interest in the type of solutions you have. So in a world where if your ABM program is targeted on a large set of accounts, you know, those those tools, that data, that information is really critical. And there's less involvement with sales other than maybe sales operations, sales planning, or some key people that are providing in, input to planned campaigns to a large set of accounts and a large set of people. Um, so that's where the the different types of, of ABM influence the level of collaboration and the, the planning time and, and so forth. You know, when you talked about things like search data, intent data, I mean, that information can be valuable for companies who have a one-to-one program focused on a a set of 10 or 15 or 20, 25 accounts or for the large ones because that information could help. There are some companies that literally every week provide intelligence reports to the account team based on information they're seeing with their internal systems, how specific executives are engaging with you as a company, as well as what topics they're interested in externally doing searches on, posting articles about, you name it. And so that role of marketing being an insight provider uh, to sales is really, really important. Now that sort of everybody's doing ABM, well, I'm a little facetious with the everybody, but you know, not too much. I think uh, most, most B2B organizations are embracing ABM in some capacity. What are the the innovators, the leaders doing to stay ahead of their competitors. Like you work with some organizations that are doing some very sophisticated work and having some tremendous results. What can you tell us about what separates the best from the rest? So such a great question. You can come at it multiple ways. I mean, I ABM programs, what's really interesting for us and, and what should be the case is that all ABM programs aren't built the same, don't have the same objectives, aren't trying to accomplish the same things. Again, ABM program, ABM people, ABM structure can be focused on a range of things, penetrating new logo accounts and trying to land them as, as clients and customers, um, expanding work with existing customers, uh, going deeper into certain regions and, and going after uh, certain types of accounts to grow foothold in the area. Um, some ABM programs are focused on changing how you're perceived and, and what your reputation might be to, you know, again, continue to grow work that's more strategic and, and less body shopping, so to speak. So, you know, the, the best companies are, you know, they're very specific about the objectives that they set out with and, you know, come up with you know, again, plan their programs and what they do to achieve those objectives and report on those objectives over over time. And so the, you know, the companies that are successful, you know, you mentioned it earlier, but we've, 
eight years ago, we developed the ABM adoption model to help companies plan their journey and to know what they needed to do to go from planning, piloting, you know, building, standardizing, scaling an, an ABM program. And, you know, things like strategic alignment, governance, project objectives, and, and metrics are a key part of a foundation of ABM. Know, those things that go into defining what it is and what it isn't. Because that's when marketing organizations that are launching and building an ABM program can get in trouble in, you know, not pretending, but almost, you know, setting up to, you know, be seen as something that's all inclusive, that can cover any ground. And, you know, most people have limited budgets to spend on, you know, um, expanding beyond a certain set footprint that they might have. So there's things like that that are that are really important to uh, the evolution and the ongoing success of of an ABM program. Now, there's all other elements as well that we can get into, but you know beyond those, again, it's the people, it's the tools, it's the skill set, it's the community, it's the you know the collaboration within the the organization that are critical. Making sure the right accounts are part of the program, having a expertise and deep account to stakeholder insight. Uh, so those are some of the other things that we talk about. Oh, there's a lot to unpack there. Let's go where, to where you started with, with the objectives. I've seen some companies get off on the wrong foot with ABM because they don't spend much time at all on objectives. They kind of treat objectives like it's obvious. While it's, you know, it's creating opportunities. It's, you know, more meetings for the sales team. It's, you know, whatever it is. And they kind of like rush through that. And, you know, there's this urgency to get in market and to, you know, to prove that, you know, they're, they're moving the dial with ABM. And it always feels like a mistake to me because I, I feel that it's quite possible that those are not the right objectives for ABM, depending on a lot of different factors. And it's also quite possible that, your existing metrics around, you know, MQLs and opportunities and meetings booked and demos delivered and whatever it is that, that, you know, drives your, uh, your demand gen today, they may be the wrong metrics for your new ABM initiatives. Uh, again, depending on those objectives, how do you work with an organization to help them to get this upfront work right and make sure that they're truly pursuing the right objectives and that they're, and they're measuring the right things to, to line up with those objectives so that they don't just run out into market and then six months later, you know, have to kind of almost start over. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, you covered a couple of different great questions there because it is important to, to have a, a vision for your ABM program and a plan for your ABM program that fits with the, the needs of the business. Well, ABM needs to have sponsorship within the company to, you know, get the kind of support and, and air cover that's needed. And, you know, often that sponsorship is with a, a business unit leader, a geographic leader, a, you know, leader of the, your top platinum accounts or, or another place where, you know, they know, especially ones that are marketing oriented, know that with marketing support and help, they can help grow, you know, business within the, within the, the region, the business unit, the uh, geography, et cetera. 
And so making sure the objectives of the program and the, and the size and scale of the program fit with some of the, the objectives within the company and again, with those different entities that I, I just mentioned. So it's that alignment is really, really important. What metrics will be uh, developed will be based on, you know, what, what uh, the organization is trying to accomplish. You know, one of the things that, you know, for, you know, one of the companies that we, we work with, uh, Dell Services, you know, it's now part of NTT Data, you know, a, a pioneer in ABM, you know, they went through a period of, we have lots of account relationships, but we have accounts that don't know all the, the services and many of the services that we offer. You know, can we develop an ABM program that works closely with sales to, you know, look at the potential for, you know, those higher level, those more strategic services that exist in, in certain accounts and formulate ABM programs to a set of accounts with strong potential that are tailored and customized to each of the accounts. That's a great example. Um, HP Inc. now has been very successful with, with a program, very different objectives. They looked at, hey, there's lots of cold, dead, and hostile accounts that, that we have that we haven't worked with for a while. And that's terminology that, that clearly they developed that has a nice ring to it. And they did deep research on those accounts, the key executives that are are at those companies and are still there, understood how to develop content targeted to key executives that may have had a relationship with the company before, um, organized marketing programs and campaigns to these individuals. And you know, they, you know, they looked at the, the campaign afterward and literally 75% or so of those accounts that they didn't have active conversations with were now engaged with them through content, through events and conversations. Um, so that, you know, re-engaging with accounts that have been, you know, cold or, or lost or, or dead, whatever term. So again, there's another example, depending on the objective of the program, it's aligning ABM people, skills, programs, and activities to, to help achieve specific objectives and then, and then check them over time. Let's talk about the people for a minute. Yeah. What are you seeing in terms of the org structure of your client firms is like, I've seen some firms where, you know, there's a growing ABM team within the broader marketing team. And, and, you know, maybe they have a, you know, one leader and a number of ABM marketers who are each responsible for X number of accounts, depending on the size and complexity of their deals. And then they lean on the digital team and the creative team and, you know, others uh, to support them, but they are the ABM people. And I've seen others where it's kind of like, Hey, everybody is an ABM marketer. That's, that's just what we do here. And they, they've more fundamentally realigned their entire marketing organization in support of ABM. And then I've seen within that all kinds of interesting structures where, you know, clusters of teams you know, focusing on different market segments or different aspects of the life cycle journey and all sorts of things. Uh, are, are, do, is, is it like every company's different and in, in the way they do this? Or are you seeing some emerging patterns in the way really successful ABM programs are, are structured from a, a people perspective? Yeah. So that, yeah, great question. And we've definitely seen that, that evolve. There's companies that have 
one-to-one and, and one-to-few ABM programs typically have a program office or a ABM center of excellence. Uh, in some cases, it's global. Other times, it's regional. Uh, there may be regional program offices or, or centers of excellence. Typically, those program offices or centers of excellence are pretty small. You know, we're not talking about huge numbers of people, but maybe the ABM program leader uh, and you know, a support resource or two. And when I use that term, it's planning support, ABM community support, you know, and, and working closely with other teams. I mean, oftentimes the, the ABM program office, you know, has to coordinate and orchestrate with other parts of, of the company, but it's meant to be the, you know, the, you know, the reporting office, the oversight office, the, you know, mentoring and, and uh, community building resource, the, the group that, you know, helps develop or marshal templates and examples and how-tos and, and so forth. So, you know, not everybody and not every company has those, uh, but the you know, companies that have been at this for a while typically do have a program leader and, and or have a program office that, that oversees it. There's others where ABMers are part of a field marketing group or part of a demand center group. And they have an ABM role as part of a, you know, a multi-dimensional team that has numerous people. So we do see different aspects. But that, again, that program office, that center of excellence is something that, you know, is important for lots of reasons. And is, is this whole ABM, you know, this program office and all the work that they do and, and the headcount involved, does this tend to be incremental to what, uh, it was already being spent on marketing, or is it a realignment of existing resources and headcount so that they're now doing less broad market demand gen and perhaps less brand work and less other things and, and refocusing the same dollars and people, or, or is, it, uh, is it incremental? That, yeah, great question. And, and you know, I'd say both situations exist. For some companies, it's a you know, it's a new group that didn't exist before where someone may have started out piloting an ABM program and very successful at it. And, you know, it's named to be the ABM regional program leader and, and then becomes a, a global ABM program leader. You know, that's the case at, at SAS Institute, the person who went through one of our programs, you know, very successfully led work with you know, one account and multiple accounts, and, and then that went on. So, you know, in that case, again, it's somebody being elevated or um, or uh, promoted to that role. You know, we've seen other companies where, you know, someone from the outside was recruited to join the company and help develop the ABM program. So clearly, in that case, it's incremental. Other case, you know, there's there's other companies we've seen where, yeah, someone has had an existing role in field marketing, been involved with some ABM-like things and said, you know, hey, like what you've done there, we're going to invest in adding and building a team, recruiting internally or recruiting um, externally for talent to, to uh, build a first-time team. And what portion of total marketing budget are you seeing going to ABM? I mean, I'm sure there's a a considerable range there, but you know, do you do you have a sense of sort of what the the low and midpoint and the high may be amongst you know whether it's amongst your clients or just amongst the broader 
market of larger enterprises that you're aware of? Yeah, it's interesting. There's a, an annual benchmarking study that we do, and there's a summary posted up on our website, itsma.com, from 2018, conducting another one. We do that in conjunction with the ABM Leadership Alliance to you know where we have around 200 companies that, that participate in the survey. And, and that is one of the questions we ask about budget and spending. The average for that study was 28%. Um, or the median, and that's where you see companies, you know, that range from, you know, 1% up to 100%. You know, there are some companies that, you know, their business model is account focused. And would you consider that a true ABM program? You know, they said, yes, you know, we follow the definition of formal account-based marketing where there's only a set of target accounts that we're pursuing. So, you know, we do see that mix. You know, what's the right number? Is it in the 20s? Um, is it in the ten percent? You know, again, depends on on the company and what the company does. I mean, clearly, the larger the company and the more complex the organization, you'll see those numbers decrease. Uh, but that's one of the things we always caution people about when it comes to benchmarks: is that it, it depends on what you're trying to accomplish and you know what you know. Do you have the right right mix of marketing activities overall uh, to influence what the objectives of the company are? You mentioned a couple uh, of, of your clients. You mentioned uh, Dell and uh, SAS Institute. Any others that you care to tell us about that are perhaps doing something uh, particularly innovative or particularly successful? Yeah, so there's some. Um, Adobe is another company that's been investing in ABM for, for the last five years. Uh, they won one of our Marketing Excellence Awards. We have them in eight different categories, but account-based marketing is one of those. And They've been investing in both executive engagement, C-suite marketing, and, and ABM uh, for, you know, for a number of years, and they continue to refine their program. You know, but they've, you know, they've added and developed more, you know, two different things. Both they're getting more form- formal about specific executives that they want to engage with at their uh, set of top accounts. And the Know, what that means and what they're doing from a, a marketing and support standpoint is they've formalized that and they're increasing the amount of engagement, the quality of engagement with those executives. And it's supported through, you know, both executive marketing, but also through their ABM accounts and their ABM programs. You know, they're also adding more types of, of events to support that executive engagement, different interaction and engagement activities with senior executives, those things that involve uh, Adobe as a provider and their key people, as well as senior executives that they do business with and they've targeted with where they want to spend more time with them. And it's not just business topics, but, you know, whether it's cooking sessions, uh, outings, hiking, biking type of things. And that, that isn't new, but it's much more structured on very specific people being targeted with those and are they wrapping around um, topical briefings and, and activities. So it's, there's learning involved and not just uh, the fun and the engagement time. It's not just sales guys taking, uh, taking their, uh, their buddies on the other side, uh, golfing anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's often said that what's, what's old is new again with, with ABM and uh, you know, there's, there's to some extent there's been a resurgence of, of physical mail, of gift giving, of uh, events. Uh, I've even talked to some uh, ABM 
leaders who are, you know, very strategically deploying out of home advertising, you know, billboards around the, the offices of their key targets and so forth. Do you generally subscribe to that notion that what's old is new again in, in ABM because now it can be done um, in a more targeted way and it can be measured better than in the past? Or do you think that that's not really uh, a true trend? You know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, one of my reactions is, you know, the, the concept of one-to-one marketing is, is clearly not new and has been around for a long time. But, but the practice and the, the capabilities and the tools and technologies have, have grown so much. You know, the science of, of marketing, as you know, um, has, you know, is not your father's demand gen anymore. Your, you know, one-to-one marketing or, or ABM, account-based marketing, is not your, your father's one-to-one marketing. I mean, you, you could keep going through the list where the, the science, the, the skills, the insight, the, the process, the, you know, the, the gains, the impact are ones that, that, you know, back then were more simplified, pat on the back, you know, yep, that was, you know, great content. But, you know, the tie to business impact, that's one of the things that we continue to be impressed with is the you know, the ABM program ROI that we're seeing from companies that are investing in ABM, not always necessarily in the first six months, 12 months, even 18. You know, those companies that have had programs for two or three years show higher ROI in ABM um, than other companies who are just getting after it, and, and as well as ABM programs are showing higher, higher ROI than other forms of marketing, partly because you can tie it to specific investments. and and ABM programs are influencing lots of other parts of the, the company too. And, you know, those are things that people are citing and saying, you know, other groups are adopting some of the things that we're doing and getting more formal, more selective, you know, using insight as a key part of, of certain programs and campaigns that might be higher level marketing. You mentioned at the outset that you are in the process of revising your ABM adoption model that you had first published eight years ago. Uh, I don't know how well talking about this lends itself to a podcast because I'm sure that you will be hitting the conference circuit and doing other things with this um, with some good slideware behind you. But maybe you can just give us a little bit of a of a preview of where you're going with that. You know, first off, why it needs to change, and and, and secondly, in in what ways uh, are you evolving that model? Yeah, yeah, no, great question. I think it's. You know, everybody's ABM journey is going to be going to be different, but also people want to learn from you know, the advice, uh, the experience, the mistakes that that others have had. And again, big part of what we do is, you know, yes, we have a a methodology, a framework of of successful ABM, but there's also learnings from peers. And so, eight years ago, we we developed the ABM roadmap. ABM adoption model to help people understand what the key steps and what it takes to move to the next step and growing, building, and expanding your ABM program. And what's happened since then is, is uh, you know, there's more t- types of ABM than just one to one, one to one to one, one to few, one to many. You know, many of the companies that that we survey have blended programs, having at least two types of of ABM in their program, some three. People have different starting points, different and objectives. So part of what we set out to do, we interviewed 
26 ABM program leaders at a mix of of large, medium, and, and small companies with different types and blends of, of ABM programs to, you know, both um, interview them about their ABM program journeys and some of the keys to success. And so part of our new adoption model that, that we'll be publishing in, in a couple of months and publishing it, um, you know, discussing it and, and helping people use it as an assessment tool you know, structured around seven key areas of, of success with ABM, you know, that all have different stages uh, for those, those seven dimensions of success. Uh, some I mentioned earlier from strategic alignment and governance, one program objectives and metrics, account selection and segmentation, account insight, data and analytics, campaign planning and customization, program operations, skills and resources, and, and technology infrastructure. I mean, all those are key areas that, you know, through the work we've done and, and people that we interviewed, you know, pointed to aspects that decisions they made, investments they made, and um, how they currently structure those seven dimensions have been critical to their success and will be going forward. And is, is the idea that rather than a, a kind of straightforward journey, um, perhaps as it was, you know, we're in the pilot stage and, you know, now we're in the building stage that with your new model, it's like we may be at different stages from dimension to dimension. So we may be, you know, really quite sophisticated in, you know, let's say in, you know, account selection and segmentation, but not so much so in, in, you know, data analytics. Is that the idea? Is that the way the new model is going to work? Yes, yeah, you're you hit it right on the head because you know some some companies will be behind on certain aspects that not everything is lockstep. Not all those seven dimensions will be at you know stage one, stage two, stage three, or stage four at the same time. You know, some people may not get to a point where they have a you know ABM is is part of the DNA of marketing. You know, is a scaled model that covers all three types of of ABM that you know, has dozens of, of people, you know, that involves most of the business. Uh, there will be some, and there, there may be some, but again, it's people can use it as, you know, as a way to look at what are some of the deficiencies or, you know, gaps that we see with our model, not just to be aligned with, with our model, but with their program, you know, are there areas that are contributing to, you know, the inability to scale or certain results not showing up because they're behind on you know the, the skill set of the people you know the the right tools and templates that they haven't invested enough in account and stakeholder insight to market to what they care about not just what you have to market and sell so you're right about that and that's you know it's meant to be introspective any good leader will also will will be open to talking with outside experts or other peers to say here's here's what we're challenged with, or here's where we, uh, we have some, you know, we're struggling with and what do you do and how do you do it? Or what are some things we could do to improve that or catch up in a certain area to, to help align all aspects of our program. So we're, you know, we're not an inefficient ABM model. I really look forward to digging deeply into that when it all comes out. And I really appreciate your time today, Dave. It's always a pleasure to speak to you. But uh, this is the first time we've really spoken 
at length, all in one sit down like this. And I've really enjoyed it. I've really learned lots. I trust that our listeners have as well. Thank you so much for joining us. Dave Munn, President and CEO of ITSMA. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, Steve, it's been great to be with you. Yeah, look forward to catching up. Take care. Stangram here. All right. You already might have heard that I launched my newest book, ABM is B2B. So I want to give you a gift for being a podcast listener for some of you have been listening it for the whole year and a half and, and send me so many messages. So I want to gift you. I want to gift you a copy of the book. I'm not asking you to buy. I'm literally gifting you the copy of the book. So if you text me at 33777 with the keyword ABM is B2B, simple as that. Text me when you get a chance. Don't, don't drive and text like when you stop. It will be in the show notes. So just take a look at it. The keyword is ABM is B2B and text me that keyword at 33777. It will add, ask you for a physical address so I can ship you the book. And I just want to say thank you. I am super excited. Hopefully I can uh, get this book to as many of you who have been a loyal listeners and evangelist of the Flip Platform Podcast. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.